This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live. After a well-needed day off, we are back in action in San Francisco at the studios of NBC Sports, where we're going to have the Athletics up against the Texas Rangers. What, the Giants got the Rockies? Their people are going to be floating in here uh, a little bit later. But, yeah, I always dig coming to these studios from the standpoint of this background that we have here is awesome and i wish we had this one at my home studio we have the one that doesn't say oakland we just have the field and it's kind of hard to see the field i just think this one pops uh especially when you look above our head right there so that whole beautiful sunset here is blurry like i turn around it's blurry but the way it works with the camera it looks awesome yeah it looks great I mean, it's incredible. Hi. How are you? I'm, uh, well, you know what? Today's a special day because I wasn't playing YouTube Scout last night. Oh. You know, you guys were all sitting around watching the, watching the National Football League, and everybody's shocked today that the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Detroit Lions. Is this finally the Lions year? Barry Sanders, Scott Mitchell. Eric Hipple, that's probably way both. Scott Mitchell and Barry Sanders, yes. Eric Hipple, the old quarterback for the line. They're not walking through that door. Who was the quarterback they had in like the 60s and 70s, the really famous one? Bobby Lane. Uh, it was Bobby was something. I couldn't remember, couldn't remember his last Bobby name. Bobby Lane would drink all night long and then shove it down your throat on Sunday. <laughs> Don't forget about Eric Kramer, Rodney Pete. I remember the Jim Harbaugh, Jim Schwartz handshake that didn't happen. I was going to say, Harbaugh didn't play for the no, Lions. No, played against the Lions. Captain Comeback. With the Indianapolis Colts, so every I, I wasn't watching football. I was I was down on the farm, brought to you by State Farm last night, in San Jose, San Jose Municipal Stadium. I was there, scouting, Stockton Ports, 
San Jose Giants. And let me tell you something. We saw we saw something last night that, as an A's fan, it tickled my pickle. I was very excited. I was very excited in the stands amongst the, I don't know, about 1,200? Thousands of fans. Amongst the millions? You, you got to oversell. There was thousands of people there. Was there was thousands of fans listening to Alex Jensen in Stockton. We will play it for you because – I know we're talking future, and you should talk future. It was it was really cool to see, and it's something as someone who's played a lot of games in that ballpark. I've seen a lot of games in that ballpark. I saw something last night that you don't see that often. But we got a lot to get into today. Uh, as I'm finally getting online, I mean, trust me, when you come in this building, they act like they're hiding secrets. I mean, just to get on the visitor's Wi-Fi, you would think, like, are we at the FBI? Are we at the CIA? What are they doing here? Do they have, like, some secret warrior stuff? What's going on there? Everything's so secretive we can barely get Wi-Fi. Luckily for me, I don't have that issue. I just hardline into our nice little – this is way too technical for our audience who might not have all this, but – I, oh, I, you just hardline yeah, in. Yeah, well, hardline in. Well, us non-hardliners <laughs> got to get on this Wi-Fi that work The visitor Wi-Fi. Uh, Eric Nadell, the Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Rangers, will join us at 2.30. I thought about this, and I think it would be a really good idea because we always talk about how when human beings work well together, it's a well-oiled machine, right? Everybody's having a rip-roaring time. Everybody's showing up. Hey, this is great. Can't wait to get out there and play. We're all gelling off each other. The lineup's gelling. The pitching staff is gelling. We can I mean, people have written so many books about it. How many books have been written about what happens when you-know-what hits the fan? What happens when all of a sudden you go from everything was great, the party was great, to cops showed up, party's broken up, and you can't get the fun back? Because that is what we're seeing here in the studios with all the grumpy giant fans here, which <laughs> I just love walking around here when the giants are struggling. What do you mean? Just... Stop saying they're struggling. They're only four and 20 in their last 24 road games. It's not that bad. And these people are so depressed because they were walking. Remember when the Giants were playing well? They were strutting around. We're going to catch the Dodgers. And I just sat back and went, no, you're not. No, you're not. But I kept my mouth shut, right? Because you got to pick and choose. You know, remember, when I come here, I'm just – I'm the – I'm the independent contractor fill-in guy, right? I mean, I work for the Oakland A's, as you all know. So I got to pick and choose my battles around here. It's not like if they come to the Coliseum, I can just hammer them. I mean, here I got to be diplomatic. They walk around and how great the Giants are and Gabe Kapler. Everybody else is playing checkers. He's playing chess. <laughs> you want me to take it one step further for you? And it's an ace tie also. <laughs> Since we swept them in the Bay Bridge series uh. at, at the Coliseum, the Giants are 9-21. and 21. <laughs> So did the A's officially ruin the Giants' season? I think so. What is the stat since they won 107 games? Since your beloved San Francisco they Giants. They are exactly 500. Can I finish oh. my statement? Oh. Well, you said we're like a married couple. We finished sentences. Jesus. Uh, since they won 107 games. 
They are, what were they last year? Uh, 81 and 81. What are they this year? 70 and 70. They're exactly at, now, I, I don't know about how big your sample size is. I would say that's not a small sample size. It's 100, it's 151 and 151, so that's, uh, <laughs> what, 302 games? <laughs> They're 500. Farhan's brilliant. You know what? It, it now, now I'm upset that Carlos Correa didn't sign here. It would have just made it better, right? <laughs> First year of Carlos Correa, 500. He's never healthy. I mean, he's playing well in the second half, but he's a dog. Uh, he's talked about, I don't even know if I want to play six more years. Wait a minute. You wanted 13. Now you're saying you don't even know if you want to play more than six. You don't know what you're getting out of that guy. That would have been great. I mean, I, I, I can't help it. I know I'm supposed to be bigger than this. I know I'm supposed to be a grown-up, and, and, and I'm a parent, and I'm supposed to be a bigger man. Than I'm supposed to be better than this. The problem is, you know what the problem? You're not. I'm not. And <laughs> <laughs> when they all show up today, when they all show up today, because the Giants are playing the Rockies He's, here, right? It, uh, Oracle. When they all show up today, I cannot wait to go, hey, you guys realize you're just 500 for the last two years? Oh, it's going to be fun. Tonight is going to be fun here in the studios of San Francisco where I get to rip giant fans through their face because these guys, oh, God, who's they, who's their analyst today? It's a great question. We're going to have Laura Britt on so we can ask Laura who it's going to be. Laura Britt is fantastic at what she does. And I am going to butter her up when she comes on with us. She is the main host for Giants pre and post game live. Uh, Laura Britt, uh, I'll just let you know, when I have questions and there's certain things, I go to her. She's like the best reference um, uh, of what to do when it comes around here about hosting shows because obviously my man Brody Brazil is not here when I'm here because I'm filling in for him. So she has been like the main resource for me going, hey, why do you do this? Because I'm going to tell you the resources around here aren't that good. You think Cody's bad. You could, you have a, and you have no idea what their producers are like around here. They, uh, make, they make you look like. Well, there's, and there's multiple of them. There's just one of me. I mean, they have to have multiple. I mean, multiple they have people multiple the bad guys, let alone multiple. Well, it's like, have- it's like it's 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 it, it's like when you have like three left fielders, you don't have one. That's kind of what's like around here. Plus, right. Laura's done every sport. She's done hockey. She's done 49ers. Well, and more importantly, she's from the South. She loves college football. Is she from Alabama? She's from Alabama. Roll Tide. Big game against Texas tomorrow. She went to University of Alabama, Birmingham, though, I believe. Oh, UAB. 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 Uh, Eric Nadell, 2.30, the Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Rangers. Laura Britt's going to be here at uh, – you don't have a time here. Three. No, three o'clock. And then A's legend. You might have heard of him. He's actually going in – I think it's called the Five Black Aces – going into the Negro League Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame every time we have him come on. He's going I, into some new Hall of Fame. He just went into the California Hall of Fame. He just went into the A's Hall of Fame. Has had his number retired by the Can A's. Dave Stewart name all the Hall of Fames he's in? Do <laughs> you think? Yes or no? Yes. I'm saying he might struggle. He may have. He may be one of those, uh, what am I leaving out? It's like my old coach, Sam Perrara. I was going to ask who's in, who's in more. Sam, I mean, he's in so many Hall of Fames. He's in the JUCO Hall of Fame. Excuse me, Community College Hall of Fame. Because you know it's got to be community college. Even though all those years their World Series was called the JUCO World Series. The baseball people still call it JUCO. 
but for some reason the academics don't like the word junior college anymore. It's got to be the community college. So he's in the community college, some community college Hall of Fame. Uh, my old coach went into the San Jose Hall of Fame, just not the San Jose State Hall of Fame. He went into the San Jose Hall of Fame where that was a pretty big deal. That was a pretty – they have it at the arena. That was special. So, uh, the great Dave Stewart will be here at 3.30, and then the Mark Kotze show at 4 o'clock. What time – what time's pregame? 4.30, so Kotze will be our last thing. 4.30's pregame? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, Jessica will have pregame, and then you and I will be on with Jessica after in the postgame show. All right. So, last night, no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on, it's Thursday night football. It's great to have football back. Uh, we have an unbelievable, it's actually pretty historic. Um, I rather not do the research and wait for one of these, uh, bozos on MLB.com to do it. But, um, this is a historic MVP run in the national league. It is. I mean, when you look at two guys, I mean, there, there, there's a lot to talk about Otani, uh, for the first time ever. While listening to Sirius XM like I do every day, Brad Lidge, I don't know. I don't vibe with Brad Lidge, the former closer, World Series champion. Today, I vibed with him. Today, Brad Lidge said something. You might want to close the door. Door opened up. Oh, okay. Because we don't want to be those guys that, because everybody's preparing for the games and we're in here screaming about what's going on. Um, Today, Brad Lidge said something that I was so thankful that finally an ex-player came out and said something that's so logical and so, like, no-brainer that it really goes against everything that's going on in our sport these days. And I was like, I'm driving up here with Cody up 101. I went, ah, Brad Lidge finally said it. And it's about Otani. And it's not about money. And it's not about elbow. I don't know when I want to get to this. But I, I was very happy that Brad Lidge, and I, will, I wish more ex-players would actually talk about this. Should I just do it now? You might as well. You're, so, you're already on it. Brad Lidge, yeah, I really want to talk about it, but I don't know if I have enough time. But Brad Lidge, because i got to get to my guy. i got to get to my guy. I, I, I mean, I, I, there, sometimes you put your eyes on somebody and you go, I like it. There's something about it. From the minute I met this kid, we'll be talking Stockton Ports in a minute as I was scouting last night at San Jose Muni. Now, you and Rightfield Will and the rest of you degenerates were drinking beers from the beer batter. (laughs) I had my eye on one guy saying, that's our future. That's our future. I mean, this is where we are. And this this actually actually works out with Brad Lidge because Brad Lidge – they're talking about Otani, and Otani goes out, takes a little BP, and hurts his oblique. And what does everybody talk about? Oh, time to shut him down. Got to shut him down. He's free agent. Got to shut him down. Don't play. Don't play. Don't. We figure out so many ways in our game not to play people. We don't want to play these young guys because we don't want to start their clock. We don't want to pitch this guy too much because we don't know how to stop injuries, so we're just kind of hoping that – uh, one less start, fewer innings, this guy won't get hurt. Mason Miller, what are we going to do with him? Mason Miller's awesome. Mason Miller's great. I mean, how about some of the calls I took in the postgame show? He gives us hope. 
And I'm like, hope for what? Hope for, like, what are you talking about? He's a guy that has not been able to stay healthy and throws really hard. So you clearly, if you think there's hope for Mason Miller long-term for the franchise, it is not going to be starting. I'm sorry. Until he proves it. I mean, how many more times is this guy going to be like, eh? I mean, it's kind of like a a ticking time bomb. Mason Miller has to not throw a lot and just let it go. And what's the one place you can do that? Bullpen. Bullpen. Learn how to be a bullpen guy. I actually talked to Mason Miller when we were standing by the dugout last Sunday when we had a couple interviews. We did the interview with Chris Bassett. We did the interview with Eric Martins. And then we just kind of hung around. I got to see – uh, Mason Miller, how you doing? How's everything? Da, da, da. And I said, you know, are you comfortable coming out of the bullpen? He said, yeah, I can come out of the bullpen. So it could be his future. I mean, if he wants – because let's face it, the longevity game is also the money game. The longer you play, the more money you make. Right? I mean, this game is really sad. When I, I couldn't believe it was – I think it was uh, Wednesday night. I'm at home. While you guys are probably asleep or whatever you do at night, I, I'm sitting there watching MLB Network, and I saw Tyler Glass now. Ty, how old is Tyler Glass now? 29? I, w- I want to say he's 28 or 20. I'll double check. Tyler Glass now. You would think that this guy. He's actually 30. He's 30? Yeah. Tyler Glass now. Just got a career-high 17 starts. 17. That's the most. He's 30 years old. This guy literally has made millions of dollars off potential. He's been shut down. He's been hurt. He's had Tommy John. He's had multiple surgeries. This guy has made a name for himself and made millions of dollars and not played. He's hardly played. 17 starts, the most he's ever had. So the point is, we find all these ways to shut guys down, not play as well. Brad Lidge said today, if I'm Shohei Otani, why am I shutting it down? Why wouldn't I play? You've got to show up anyway. If i got to show up and watch this horrible team, I might as well hit and have a great time and add to my stats and win the MVP. Trying as many dingers as I can. Why wouldn't you? What's he at now? 40-something? 44, 45? I think he's at 44 because of his How do you not try and leads. get 50? You want to shut me down? I got to show up anyway. That's, I think, what people forget. These players still show up. They're employees. They're getting paid. They still show up every day. It's not like, they, it's not like if you say, you know what? I'm going to shut her down. And uh, it's like, oh, really? I'm just I'm going to Japan. I'm out of here. I mean, it's not like you're still an employee. You're still going to be around. You're still going to come to the ballpark every day. You want to just show up, not do anything, and watch these guys? Or do you want to play? Why would you not want to play? And that's what Brad Lidge was like. As a player, I challenge you, why would you want to sit out? You only get so many at-bats in your life. You only get so many shots at it. You kept playing anyway, and you've actually hit pretty well since they found out you have more UCL damage. Why would you not want to show up and play and put up numbers and try and get to 50 bombs? And I was like, 
that makes sense to me. That makes sense to the average person. But for some reason, to baseball people, they, they – I remember earlier this year, you were texting me about shutting down J.P. Sears. I was like, why? I don't know. J.P. looked pretty damn good in his last start. Yeah, it was when he's in that rough patch. And So what are you going to – you just want him to show up and – Eat sunflower seeds every day? And I thought it would come with one of those uh, phantom injured list things that happen with guys. Like, they give them a break for a couple starts. Think about that. J.P. Sears right now looks really good. And he's finishing a full season. And he's going to give you over 30 starts. Guys like this are like, oh, you had a bad start. Shut, we shut him down? We have to shut people down? There's actual some failure in a guy's life. Shut him down? No. Play him. You got to play. You got to learn how to play. Why are we so into guys not playing? We're like, we're the only sport, like football, we shoot these guys up. I've seen it. They put the painkillers in the IV bags. There's a bunch of dudes on IVs. I've seen guys taking needles at halftime, popping pills. We do everything we can to get the players on the field. Not in baseball. You guys are trying to find every reason why to get guys off the field. I went back, by the way, I went back and looked. How many innings do you think Glassell has after he makes his career-high 17 starts? How many innings? It's going to be really low. It's below 120. Correct. It's below 100. No! 99 two-thirds. He's 30 years old. And I always point to Cody because I need, I need the boogeyman, right? Like, like I need... He's my Trump. He's my boogeyman. I got to throw him under the bus. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Glass now has made a name for himself as this great pitcher. And the most starts he's ever had is 17. Most innings he's ever thrown in a season. 140. Not even close. One th- oh, not even 120. Not even close. 110? A little higher. 111 and two-thirds. And that's between Pirates and Rays when he got traded. Okay, give me how much money he's made. Most, most he's ever made. Okay, 111. Remember, he signed an extension. So 111. He, 111. How much money has he made? He's, this year he's making 5.3. Next year he's going to make 25. So he's made $18 million in his life, hardly ever pitching. He's going to make 30, 25 next year. Yonder Alonzo, former athletic, was on MLB Network going, hey, let me tell you something. He's the nastiest pitcher in the game. And I'm watching it going, no, he's not. He never plays. Like, there's this whole infatuation with the future and what a guy can be and what, what happened to enjoying and appreciate. And, you know, what? highlighting guys who actually do show up and play. Never thought about that? Since 2019, Glassnow's made 56 starts. That's, that's a joke. It's a joke. All right, I got to get to this because this isn't a joke. A's fans, we're sitting here and we're saying, all right, how are we going to get better? How are we going to change? How are we going to turn things around? And the minute we met, when, when did we we meet Henry Bolte? We had him on right after he was, oh, yeah, it was right after he drafted. It was right after he was drafted. He was at the ballpark and he walked over and he's in one of those tight Nike form fitting pregame shirts and he walks up. And it's like this grown man body and a little boy head. It was almost like a cartoon because he's yoked. He's yoked. High school kid. What, all right. I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you. He's built. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. Right? 
And he comes walking over, and he's got shoulders, and he's got buys and tries and pecs. He has, he's got a grown man's body, but he lo- his face looks like a 12-year-old boy. Right? It's a fair way to put it, yes. Right? It was like, it was like wow. And local kids, so obviously there's extra support there. Palo Alto High School. I mean, who did you say? You, I know who my favorite is. You can't stay. You can't steal him. Who's your favorite Palo Alto high grad? Oh, boy. I mean, I know who you're going with. I might have to go with the, the great giant, Jock Peterson. Is he Palo Alto high? I'm pretty sure he's Palo Alto high. That's your favorite? I thought you had another guy. Didn't Devontae Adams go there? Uh, Didn't John El- was with the No, where'd Elway go? No, Elway grew up in Southern California. Oh, but he went to Stanford. But then his dad came up, coached at they State, and he went to Stanford. Yeah, Jock went to, well, I don't think it's going to say on here, but he's from Palo Alto, so I'm assuming he went to Palo Alto High. Uh, yes, G- Palo Alto High School. Jim Harbaugh is my. It's a good one. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh is my. Harvey Harbs. Um, but Henry Bolte out of Palo Alto High. Get ready, folks, because we saw this last night. Do you have it ready? You have yep. it queued up? Yep. I played college ball at San Jose Municipal Stadium. I did play-by-play at San Jose Municipal Stadium. I've seen endless games at San Jose Municipal Stadium. It is a very, very big ballpark. And it is tough to go oppo, taco, at this yard. And last night, I saw this, and it was super impressive. Ports lead 2-0. Top of the fifth. And Garcia from the stretch delivers. There's a swing and a high drive deep to right center. Hill going back. I don't think he sees it. He's to the wall, and he is out of room. That ball is gone. They're stunned. The crowd is stunned. Thousands in attendance. Henry Bolte right on cue, his 14th home run of the season, and the Ports have doubled their lead. It is now 4-0 Stockton. And I'm up yelling at this point, that's our guy, that's our guy. And then the Giants fans, sit down. You know, I mean, we got heated. Yeah. Then you yelled back, 500. Yeah, you're 500. <laughs> yeah. Where's the beer batter? Um, Came through clutch for us last night, by the way. I'm just saying, Henry Bolte, ever since I saw him, second-round pick, I've been a big Henry Bolte fan. I will actually, you told me not to do it. You then even challenge me, say, you won't ask Mark Kotze about him. Oh, yeah, I will. I'll ask Mark Kotze about Henry Bolte. I'm not afraid. He's our th- number 13 prospect in the system. That's a joke. Who's ahead of him? Uh, Name he- me one guy that should be ahead of him. Lawrence Butler? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Wilson? No. Well, they look the same. They are both They both have grown. Uh, Jacob Wilson's actually not – Jake Wilson's a college kid, so he looked. Uh, Mason Miller. Not even close. Who else is on that list? Uh, Hernays. Not even close. This kid is going to be. We're talking about. Do I. So, Henry Bolte. Joey Estes. At 6'3, about 200 pounds, who's got opposite field. I just saw on the Stockton Ports uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, another home run where he went opposite field as a right handed hitter. Uh, he's got 31 stolen bases, too. Yeah, 6'3". Yeah, good athlete. We're not talking about a small kid. We're just talking about ripped. He's basically the same size as Lawrence Butler. Uh, Butler, 6'3", 210. Here's, our, here's the top. We'll go. Here's all the guys ahead of him. Okay, see, this is, this is, this, this, 
this to me irks me. Because um, you have a bunch of guys who are playing in the big leagues on this list. Soderstrom. Big leagues. Uh, Jacob Wilson. Uh, no, not yet. Mason Miller. Big leagues. Uh, Butler. Big leagues. Clark. Is Geloff still on there? No. Okay. Geloff has they, enough. They finally they took pass. him off? Yeah. Uh, Denzel Clark. Mm-hmm. Susack. Luis Morales, the kid we signed last year. Uh, we saw Naylor last night. Miles Naylor's eight. Max Muncy. Uh, Echeverria, the kid we drafted this year. Uh, Hernays, a Brett Harris, and then there's Bolte. I think it's a trap. Get me MLB Pipeline on the phone now. We saw Jonah Cox play last night too, number thirtieth in our number thirty. You're trying kid. to tell me that's where that's where Henry Bolte is, a six three kid with power to all fields and can run like the wind and play defense. Yeah. Who's doing these rankings? Our good friend Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. I'm assuming. I guarantee Pipeline. you, they've got. They've got other guys doing it. Oh, yeah, they put their name they're, they're big contributors to it. All right, coming up next, we are heading to the Lone Star, uh, Lone Star State. Was it Vince Catronio who called this the Texas two-step? I heard you asking Robert that on postgame the other day. Who started that? Um, I just remember. It's a Texas two-step. It might be because Vince has been a part of it with, with the Rangers. I mean, I remember it with the rodeo road trip whenever the, the Spurs had the rodeo in town. And they had to go on the road trip all around for basketball. At the Alamo Dome. Yeah, now now baseball, the Texas dudes. I've heard, I've Shark, Sharks used to have to do that with the uh, side base open, the tennis. Oh, wow. You learn something new every day. You didn't know about that? No. I You're didn't. not a Sharks fan. I didn't know they played You're tennis. You're not a Sharks fan. What? I didn't know they played tennis at SAP and the Sharks had to travel. Dude, Pete Sampras, Agassi, oh, they all I showed up. I didn't live here when those guys were playing tennis. Doesn't why I, I I didn't live in Pittsburgh, but I know Pittsburgh Steelers play there. Yeah. Well, they don't they they don't kick the Steelers out to have other events there. I hey, mean, Pitt's playing at home Saturday against Cincinnati. Steelers playing next day. You think they're going to re- resod the field? I'm just saying. And I don't want to hear that as an excuse when the Niners lose Sunday. I mean, they, they play golf tournaments in Pennsylvania. I mean, I, I mean, I know stuff. Never calling. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Coming up next. He's a Ford C. Frick Award winner. He's a Hall of Famer. What has happened to the Rangers? They're they're taking on water fast. We head to Texas next, right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. Yeah, you're talking about a big series for the Texas Rangers and how they have to get it right. Because, man, they, well, they were in first place from April 17th. Till recently, yeah, it's it was a good run of the season there in first, and now they're on the outside looking in in the wild card That's race. So hard to believe their bullpen has been uh, uh, atrocious, is the word. Seven? Is, do we have Eric? I'm gonna. I have to call him. So give me a second. The Rangers bullpen has a 7.24 ERA, ten blown saves, twenty five homers allowed in night last nineteen games. I'm trying to get their schedule up here. Last 19, that is hard to believe. And Adolis Garcia, you're talking about 34 home runs, 100 RBIs, patellar tendon strain. I don't know if he's going to play again. He's on the, uh, on the, they brought up their number one prospect, Evan Carter. And uh, yeah, he's now on the That Angeles. is bad. I mean, what a great year. Do we have Eric? Yeah. Eric, welcome back to A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, Chris? Good. I, I wanted it to be under better circumstances and talking about the Rangers and good play and all the – from Chris Young to Bruce Bochy and everything, but obviously the Rangers are having major issues. Just I, I know the bullpen hasn't played well. I know the offense at times. is it Just how shocking is it the way this thing has turned? It's been pretty shocking, you know, over the last 19 games to see this team losing 15 out of 19. They really hadn't gone through a, an ice-cold stretch all year, and they picked a pretty uh, inopportune time to do it. You know, kind of the perfect storm where, you know, the bullpen lost a bunch of games, but they also have not been getting production, you know, from the bottom half of the order the way they were earlier in the year. And I think those are the two big things, you know, that combine to uh, lead to this mess that they're in right now. And you hate injuries to happen to your star players and Garcia to go down with the knee, the patellar tendon, 34 home runs, 100 RBIs. Is there a chance we see him again, at least in the in the regular season? They think so. Um, given that it's not a ruptured tendon but a strained tendon, um, they don't really have a timeline, but they are hopeful that you know within the next three weeks he will be back at some point. It's really probably too early to have any sort of a definitive read on it. You know, I, I, I don't think if we would have looked like a couple months ago and talked about this series, because obviously we know how historically bad the A's are, that we wouldn't be calling this a big series for the Texas Rangers. 
but now when you look at it, because after this, you guys got to go on the road, four games against Toronto. You're battling Toronto. I mean, kind of puts your destiny in your own hands. Uh, Guardians, then you come back, got the Red Sox and the Mariners. But just how big is this series for the Rangers to just kind of try and get your mojo back? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously every game is important now, given where they are in the standings. Uh, but you've got to think that there is, you know, some self-doubt that has crept into the mind of the players, uh, given the streak that they've gone through. They, they, need, they need some winning. They need to start feeling good about themselves again. And that's where, you know, winning against the A's is absolutely critical, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you got the right guy on the mound tonight because obviously Jordan Montgomery, uh, he, you know, I, I know Max Scherzer hasn't been great, but talk about how Montgomery, since he's come over, has been very good for the Rangers. He's been really good. The last time out was actually uh, the worst game that he's pitched for the Rangers. He faced the Twins in back-to-back games. He pitched really well the first time, and then the second time, the Rangers got him an early 4 nothing lead, and he was unable to hold it. He gave up five runs in the fourth inning and just all of a sudden lost his command. He actually walked two batters, you know, including a left-handed batter for the first time this year, and uh, it, it looked very unlike what we had seen from Jordan Montgomery in his first five starts as a Ranger. You know, I, I don't want it to be all bad because Evan Carter's coming up, and I think that's got to be some serious excitement. He's the number one prospect for the Rangers, eighth overall according to MLB.com. He was the 2022 Minor League Player of the Year. He's won a gold glove. Uh, everybody talks about his approach, knows the strike zone. So sometimes it can be exciting to have the future come up. Are, are Rangers fans excited to see this kid? They are excited, Chris. In fact, if, if you uh, have listened to the talk shows here, you would know that a lot of fans have been calling for him to get called up even before the injury to Adolis Garcia. And the kid is, you know, he just turned 21. He's only had 39 at-bats at AAA. You know, he spent the rest of the season at AA where he was, you know, younger on average by about four years than the rest of the league. So uh, it's a lot to put on his shoulders, but uh, he's clearly the best chance the Rangers have right now of replacing Adolis in there with somebody who's really going to help offensively. Different style of player. He doesn't have the booming power of Adolis Garcia, but he's got that on-base ability at a 413 on-base percentage in the minors, and the Rangers are batting him ninth partially because Bruce Bochy likes the idea of him getting on base for Simeon and Seager batting you know, in the one and two spots. And that's Seager is another great story, by the way. We've been waiting for him to be able to qualify for the batting title, and now he he is going to get it. Just you know, you know, a lot of pressure. You're in Los Angeles. You win a championship. You sign a big free agent deal. You obviously that's always going to hang over you. That you want to be able to prove to everybody you're worth this life changing money. And he got extremely life changing money. Just how happy are you for him? When he's been healthy, he's been really good for the Rangers. He's been unbelievable. I mean, the numbers that he has put up are absolutely staggering when you realize he has 84 runs batted in in 96 games, you know, and 28 home runs. He's, you know, he's on a pace that over a full season, if he played every game, he would hit like 45 homers and drive in about 145 runs. Um, that's that's outrageous. He took an offer on Wednesday, and it was the first time this year 
that he had back-to-back offers. And part of it was the night before the Rangers were blown out and Bruce Bochy pulled him early. He only got two at-bats or, you know, perhaps the streak would still be intact of him not having back-to-back games without a hit all year. He has just been sensational. Doesn't matter whether it's been home or road. Doesn't matter whether it's been a lefty or a righty on the mound for the other team. Uh, he has just been phenomenal. Yeah, that's going pretty good when, when all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, back-to-back game's over? What's going? What's the problem? That's when you're going pretty good. Yeah, and, you know, the top of the Ranger order, the top three have been very solid and consistent with Simeon, Seeger, and Lowe. You know, Adolis, even before he got hurt, you know, had been struggling for about a month and certainly hadn't been hitting nearly as well since the All-Star game uh, as he did before it, you know, when he was named to the All-Star team in the home run derby. Uh, so, you know, the fall-off, when you look at the fall-off in the Ranger lineup, as long as those top three guys keep producing, um, you know, there are going to be some runs, but the bottom of the order is the difference for me in the second half of the season. Earlier in the year, uh, Jonah Heim was red hot. Uh, Travis Jankowski was playing way above anything he'd ever done before. Ezekiel Duran was having a breakout season. And, you know, Heim got hurt in late July. And Jankowski cooled off. Duran cooled off. And uh, Leary Tavares, who had a spectacular month of May, um, has shown signs of getting hot again, but he never really has. And so the Rangers haven't gotten the kind of production from the bottom that they had gotten uh, earlier in the year. I like Duran. Watching him play against us, I mean, he's a strong, strong guy. I I, I like him. And there, there's been some players, I mean, Nathaniel Lowe obviously has ripped us up. He can flat out swing it. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series. And, you know, Eric, all these years knowing Bruce Bochy, whether it was in San Francisco, I dealt with Bruce Bochy when he was in San Diego, one of the big strengths for Bochy as a manager has always been how he handles a bullpen and he's always been great at it. It's one of the reasons why he won three championships with the Giants. It's also why he got to the pot. He got the Padres of the World Series in 98. He's been a master at the bullpen. But even when you're in a master of the bullpen, the guys still got to do their jobs. Just talk about like, like I don't want to totally get in the numbers, but last 19 games, the Rangers bullpen has a 724 uh, ERA, tons of blown saves, tons of home runs. What's going on with the bullpen? I wish I knew. Um, it seems that just about everybody in the bullpen has performed well other than in critical times of the game. And, uh, you know, for a while, Bochi had it straightened out with Josh Spores pitching the seventh inning, Aroldis uh, Chapman the eighth inning, and Will Smith the ninth inning, and then Smith started having some trouble. And when Chapman moved into the closer role, he started having some trouble, and Josh Spores uh, couldn't get people out in the seventh inning anymore. And uh, so he's pretty much had to reconstruct the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, not easy. Let's end on this. Max Scherzer had talked about some fatigue with the Mets, now has talked about some fatigue with the Rangers. What do you think the plan is going to be for him? Because obviously you want to you want to – you want to pedal to the metal with this guy just to get you to the postseason, but if there's the fatigue there, like how do you think they'll handle Scherzer? It's a good question. You know, next time around, um, he'll have an extra day of rest because the Rangers had the day off yesterday, but they don't have a day off next week. So he is scheduled to pitch Tuesday in Toronto. Uh, the Rangers are not going to go to a six-man rotation, Bruce Bochy said today. 
which means he would need to come back on Sunday of next week on regular four days rest. You know, he has pitched better this year when he's had extra rest. And clearly, if a guy has some fatigue in his forearm, you want to give him some extra rest. But uh, we'll see how he does on Tuesday. At the moment, the way it sounds, the Rangers uh, don't necessarily plan to give him extra rest. They might shorten his outings up a little bit. And, of course, that's something that would be a lot easier if the bullpen was pitching well. But with Evaldi back now, you know, the Rangers are going to have to move a starter to the bullpen. Either Dane Dunning or Andrew Heaney is going to have to go to the bullpen. So that will at least give the Rangers somebody uh, additional who can give them length out of the bullpen if they decide that the way to deal with uh, Scherzer's issue is to shorten up his pitch count, shorten up his outings. Yeah, because you got to win games because the Dallas Cowboys are back in business and they got a game on Sunday and everything's going to be about Cowboys, college football, high school football in Texas. Rangers got to get some W's back up on the board. Yeah, I don't think they're much concerned about the football element right now. They're concerned about the playoffs. You know, we basically appear to have a four team fight for three playoff spots, you know, unless the Red Sox sneak into this thing. You can't really rule them out. They're five games behind Toronto, and they have three games left with the Rangers. So, But at the moment, you know, we're thinking about we, the broadcasters, are thinking about Toronto, we're thinking about Houston, we're thinking about Seattle. Um, and the Rangers have those four games coming up in Toronto starting Monday, and I just hope they're not looking past the A's toward that series with the Blue Jays in Toronto. Well, it's great to hear your voice. You're one of the legends in our game. It's great that you're back on the Rangers broadcast. Hope all is well with you, and uh, we are pulling for you guys. We'd like to see you guys get into the postseason. Chris, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure being with you. Take care. Eric Nadell, Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Texas Rangers. And why I always bring up the football thing is because, folks, the Rangers, I mean, it's kind of like here, but not as bad. He over there. You got you got you got people building thirty million dollar high school stadiums. Je- Jeff Blum Blummer, somewhere down in Houston, there is a community that spent. Wait for it. Do you remember the? Do you remember the price? I remember him telling us. Uh... And this isn't grant money. This is taxpayer money. What did they spend? Was it seventy million? Seventy million for a high school stadium that all the different high schools are going to play in. They spend millions on high school stadiums, and they're getting in some of these places ten, fifteen, twenty thousand for every high school game. It's a big part of their community. They invest in their high schools. They invest. It is what it is, whether you like it or not. And I know people don't like Texas. I'm not the biggest fan of the state of Texas. Actually, I've had great times, though. I've had great times in the whole uh, Dallas, all that whole area. Fort Worth. Well, Arlington. I've been to Arlington. I went to the Ranger Stadium last year. So I've had great times in Houston. I've been to San Antonio. I've been to Austin. I've been to uh, El Paso. Remember, that's where I went. I've been to Lubbock. Remember, I went to the. That's where I went to that wedding that uh, didn't happen. Nobody cares. Um, El Paso. Talking about the great Eddie Guerrero. El Paso. Just saying. Not, not good. Um, but Texas, man, they they're building high school stadiums. So the whole point is, 
with the Cowboys in that area, college football, high school football, you don't win. No one even knows you're around. I mean, it's the NFL dwarfs everything, right? It's kind of like the same thing. If you're in Seattle and you're the sea and you're uh, the Mariners and you're not any good, they're all going to the Seahawks. You know, for here it was Niners and Raiders for years, but here it's going to be Niners. I mean, Niners, Niners are going to have a chance at going to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's just a reality. They're one of the teams that you could say, you know, they're, they're, they they got a shot. Well, they kick off on Sunday. And once all that gets rolling and the, the NFL machine gets rolling and you're dealing Thursday night football last night, we've got huge college football games. You've got Texas-Alabama. Speaking of Texas, you got Texas-Alabama this weekend. We have huge – there's always going to be these huge college football games in the NFL. NFL's Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night. If you're a baseball team – that by this time of the year, unfortunately, we're in that category. If you're not, if you're not relevant, you're in trouble, man. And especially down there, down there, man, football is king. Like I don't think California people understand how much football means, and whether you agree with that or not, it's a very community thing down there. They invest in their communities. They invest in facilities. They invest in high school stadiums. Forget pro stadiums. They invest in high school stadiums. I was looking. Um, and their high school campuses are massive and beautiful. I mean, they made movies about, uh, was it Permian? Friday Night Lights Friday movie Night and Lights, the show. Yeah. Uh, being down there, they use the old Ranger Stadium for like high school and college football and college baseball now. Uh, I think it's Choctaw. Think about that. Think about that. Arlington, Texas, they've got Jerry's World next to two baseball stadiums. Not one, two. And then don't forget Texas Live. Texas Live's incredible. Great barbecue. Did you end up going yeah, in there? That place yeah, is Texas that Live's awesome. awesome. I got Ray Fossey, the great Raymond Fossey, doubleheader in Texas. I talked Ray Fossey out of the stadium. I think I'm the only human being to ever do that. My good friend Ray. I'm like, Ray? Let's go have the barbecue of Tech. I got Ray to walk out of the stadium, cross the street, go have barbecue. Got Ray Fossey to have barbecue uh, in between the doubleheader and came back. My beloved friend Ray. Ray and I smoking down ribs in between the – like we're just sitting there gnawing. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine the barbecue. But think about that. They've got two stadiums in Arlington. Two. Globe Life Park and Globe Life Field. They've got high school games well, playing in the old Rangers ballpark. High school games. High yeah. school. High school. I they, mean, come on. There's also another big college football game going on in that same area. Um, when I think of great ACC, SEC matches, I think of SMU and Oklahoma. SEC, ACC matches. <laughs> <laughs> Not till uh, next year. Eric, but. Eric, Eric Dickerson <laughs> and Craig James aren't walking through that door. The Pony Express. It's them versus uh, Baker Mayfield. Are you and, serious? Yeah, it's who's Oklahoma's playing tomorrow. It's SMU. SMU. Okay, that is an. It's 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 going to be an ACC <laughs> ACC battle. When I think Atlanta, when I think of the Atlantic Ocean, I think Dude, I, Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Texas. I could believe they 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 showed us it this Saturday and tomorrow night. <laughs> Big Ten Saturday night, right? Big Ten. It's Charlotte, Maryland. <laughs> Wait, right. what? <laughs> Big Ten Saturday night. The first was this is the first Big Ten Saturday night game, right? Because they're 
big. They've signed the new deal. Big Ten Saturday night. They got the That'll band. They got the rock band going. Big Ten Saturday. It's Charlotte, North Carolina against Maryland. Well, I like Charlotte in the upset. I don't know. It's, I just like saying that. I mean, Charlotte could win. Let's be real. Not like. Michigan again, or Ohio, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio or State, Wisconsin, <laughs> or Iowa, like Big Ten. It's Penn State, Charlotte, up against Maryland. <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. We got a big one Saturday though, uh, tomorrow. It, hey, if we can't beat Cal Poly, what are we talking about? It's a get right game. If we can't, if we can't beat Cal Poly at home. What are we talking about? And by the way, why the hell? Are we playing at four o'clock tomorrow against the Texas Rangers? That's a good question. I what? Why? Why? What? Why in my life do I have to do a four o'clock Saturday night game? It's six o'clock. I even look. Are they doing? It's Rangers promotion. Loteria game night. Rangers Loteria game. What is Loteria? No, I should have. We should have asked Eric. He oh my know. God! It's a jackpot game. Oh my god! So I'm trying to see what the uh, how many points the Spartans are favored by tomorrow. It looks like it is some type of Hispanic jackpot game. So the boomstick is L boomstick. Uh, a tractor's L tractor. The longhorn is L longhorn, and it's some type of game that they're giving out, which is fine. We can't do this at one o'clock. Uh, it'd be three o'clock for them. Yeah. No, for them, 1 o'clock would make it 11 Oh, I think, I think about 1 o'clock. They can't do it at 1 o'clock? Yeah. Standard, standard time for day games on a Saturday is 1 o'clock. 12.30, 1 o'clock. Do they, are they trying to not – what time is that Oklahoma SMU game? I mean, it's not because they're beating the heat. They got a roof. That's why they built – that's why they had the roof. They don't have to worry about the heat. Tomorrow, 3, Texas – or uh, SMU in Oklahoma. That's What time is Texas-Alabama? That's probably the night game, right? Huh? T- Texas Alabama. Yeah, that's the CBS game. Four o'clock tomorrow, same time. I is it making any sense to you why we're playing tomorrow? They're playing at six o'clock tomorrow. Is it making any sense? No. It makes less sense than Big Ten Saturday Night Charlotte taking on Maryland. Uh, our intern Renee's chimed in. Um, he said he's played the game. It's a traditional game of chance, similar to bingo. Played it all the time as a kid. Basically a uh, a Mexican bingo is what he called it. Okay, I I the I have the Mexico I have the Mexico bingo card up. I looked it up. There you guys can see it. Have an idea. You see Marcus Simeon there. They got the big old boomstick, but it's L boomstick. Big Tex looks cool, right? But you can give that away at one o'clock <laughs> versus six o'clock. Therefore, us not having a four o'clock game. That's a, a joke. A good pre- and post-game host always brings it back to them. <laughs> I'm doing it for the fans. Does anybody really want a 4 o'clock Saturday game? I mean, we want to enjoy our baseball, and we want to enjoy our life. 4 o'clock Saturday, unless you're going to have a barbecue, if someone invites you to go somewhere, or just, it just it messes everything up. San Jose State's kicking out. It's messing up my San Jose State. Yeah. By the way, I can't find the line on the game for the Spartans. I don't know what they're favored by. It didn't say on the app, on the Yahoo app. Favored? Favored? You're talking about favored? Well, hey. We're just trying to win a game. Cal Poly does have a quarter. As their quarterback is the son of an ex-NFL quarterback. So, the great Damon Hewitt's son. 
I can't believe his son is in college. How old is he? Uh, Damon Heward. Damon Heward. Former out. former Miami Dolphin. He had to have him super young. Damon's 50. So he's my age. Uh, okay, so he had him young. Damon Heward, yeah. Miami, New England, Kansas City. What, is, what year was he born? Uh, Damon was 73. All right, so he's a year So he just turned 50. He just turned 50, yeah. yeah. And then his brother is the great Brock Heward who went to Washington and uh, does stuff in Seattle. Big Ten Saturday night. Did 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 I exhaust? Have I have I mentioned my guy Henry Bolte? Yeah. We saw some other guys that could be part. How about of the- that? This guy that they got calling up. How about so Evan Carter? You're going to see him tonight. He's in right field. He's not in center. He won the minor league Gold Glove for center field last year. He was the minor league player of the year. His slash line turned. He turned just 21 last week. He's hitting 288. He's got a 863 OPS. See me doing the math? 863 OPS. See me doing the math? Yeah, you're adding it up, yeah. His slug in on base. And 13 home runs, 67 RBIs, and 26 stolen bases in 108 games. You know what's funny? We are starting to see... A bunch of these kids make their make their way to the big leagues, and they are like flying by this. Got to have fifteen hundred at bats. He was at Round Rock, right? Got to have. I have no idea. And he's got to have five hundred innings. People are, but my angels are bringing up a bunch of guys. Everybody, everybody is just bringing up guys, and it's going against. And it's it's what I've talked about for years. This whole we try and say everybody's young. Professional professional sports is a young man's game. And our game and the way that it was negotiated for the CBA, if you remember, the players negotiate their CBA. They had it to where six years. We going, who are we going here? I'm just getting the We got to close the door, by the way. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it. We're going to go to Laura Britt here in about two minutes. Laura Britt will be on NBC Sports Bay Area Giants pre- and post-game. Okay. Oh, look how versatile. I'm like a stage manager. Um, yeah, the game was set up. took you six years to get to free agency. And why did why did players give that up? Because back in the day, everybody felt your prime was late 20s into your early 30s, that you wanted to get paid into your early 30s. And now the data shows, no, 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 you don't want those guys. You don't want – you'll make exceptions, but you don't want those guys. The game keeps getting younger. Look at the NFL. Look at the NBA. The games keep getting younger. And these broadcasters who try and sell you on this, oh, he's young. He's 23, 24. Do you watch, do you watch other sports? 23, 24 and young. And this, this thing that, oh, the old baseball, he's a baseball man. Sold you on 1,500 at-bats, 500 innings. This kid doesn't have that. This kid they're bringing up, it's time. Like, you got somebody who's legit. Bring him up. Let's go. Hell, the kid that played the kid that won the national title at Georgia last year, their quarterback uh, Stenson Bennett, is older than half the kids that are probably playing minor league baseball, and he's like twenty five, I think, twenty six. Well, that's a whole different ball game. Well, it's just crazy. How we can have guys who've been in college football now seven, eight years. I think he's older than Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow is now the highest paid I mean, player in the history of the NFL. What they've done to college football, my God! The guy who's playing at Notre Dame. Oh, Sam Hartwell. He is Wake Forest. He is. The number two all-time leading passer in ACC history. 
only behind. Well, see, okay, this could be tricky because there's teams that are at No, it's not tricky. It's not tricky at all. Probably Florida, Florida State quarterback. Chris Wanky. Not even close. The greatest ACC quarterback of all time. Here comes Saturday night. Um, it reminds me of what I got it. The one we have. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I don't know. Just dun, tell dun, me because I'm going to call dun, Laura. Dun, dun, dun. Is it Giants? Is it A's? Is it Sharks? I don't know. It's all the same. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Phillip Rivers. Oh, NC State. This guy is only second to Phillip Rivers, and he's been able to transfer and now play for Notre Dame. How many years can you play in college now? It's unbelievable. Yeah, I forgot. Wake Forest kid. Wait, for four years. Yeah. Well, Lord. remember a lot of the guys got the the eligibility for COVID. They got the extra year. How many years you get? Yeah, well, he's got plenty. Let me. Co- can I come back? You weren't in college at that time, unfortunately. I don't think you'll be able to make it. Why not? Can I come back and play? I'd come back and play. Bet you would. You could make it. Oh, if I could come back and play at San Jose State, I'd be all for it. Think of the wisdom I would bring to these young men. Do we have Laura? We do, yes. Laura, how are you? Welcome to Ace Cast Live. Well, hello. I was telling our audience earlier, I said, you know what? There's certain people, you know, that you realize you need to lean on because, you know, when you come in here and you're like a, you're the fill-in guy, there's certain things that don't make sense. And I've said, you're my rock. Like, when I have questions, you are the go-to. You are... As a host, you're second to none, and without you, I would be in trouble. I'd be lost at times. Did you get the gift card in the mail already? It's true, and I use your magic mirror for some reason. I look better in your magic mirror. There's, I just, It is what it is. I do what I can. You're fantastic. It's been great. We're, we're deskmates now. I know it's great. It's a guy come in. I look forward to seeing you. I just, I just, I, I, I don't know what's going on with the Giants though. Um, you know, Farhan, who came from the Billy Bean tree, and Gabe Kapler, and everybody's talking about how smart they are. And since those 107 wins are exactly 500, what's happening? Yeah, it's been this has been a strange situation for the Giants because they started off cold, and I think everybody at the beginning of the season started to kind of toss out the season and say, all right, Vegas was right. They're going to finish fourth in the NL West. And then they hit this hot streak and got these rookies like Patrick Bailey and Casey Schmidt, and they came up hot, Luis Matos, and everything was going right. And so they really started to turn their season around. All-star break, they come out, they sweep the Pirates, and then everything has crashed and burned. They've dealt with a lot of injuries this season, and I don't know if you talk to any of the players, there's no excuses, you talk to the man, I, I get all that, I understand. That's a fact. Now a lot of other teams have had a lot of injuries as well. The Yankees, the Mets, the list goes on. But this situation that they're in right now where they can't score, they cannot score. They've been outscored 41-14 to over this six-game losing streak that they're currently on. They're now back to 70-70 and and even 500 on the season. This was not that long ago, July 18th. They were sitting 13 games above 500. That's how big of a free fall this has been. But I don't, I don't know. To be honest, I've been talking with Rich Aurelia when he's on the show about how do you score when you have such a, such a problem scoring? Like, is there some – what do you do? I, I don't know the answer for that. It, 
I think getting healthy is probably the best thing they can do, which they're well on their way to getting healthy. And I think that's what's confusing about it is they've gotten some of their pieces back, yet that their scoring still hasn't returned. With runners in scoring position, they're one of the worst in base. I mean, all of the offensive numbers, one of the worst teams in baseball since July 18th. So it's not looking good. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not the smartest guy, and I'm not Johnny Analytics. I do know one analytic, though. You do have to score more runs than the other team to win. That that has not changed in our game. That's usually a key to the game, <laughs> score more runs than the other team. Everybody wants to talk about weighted runs created plus, and everybody I just I just know that if you score more runs than the other team, uh, you're going to do well. And it's just, it, it was interesting. You know, we were all down at the winter meetings and everybody felt like the Dodgers were so vulnerable. Like this was the year that San Diego had beat them in the playoffs. They'd slayed the dragon. Giants were going to be big players. We remember all the different, whether it's going to be career, it's going to be judge giants are kind of, isn't it amazing after all that talk, all the money, all the different stuff that has gone on that here, the Dodgers are still standing at the top. Uh, they're yeah, eighty-five and fifty-four. The Dodgers are sitting at the top of the NL West. And oh, hold on, just a second. Sorry, I'm getting asked for the television remote by one of the twins. Hang on, you're gonna have to go back in there for just a minute, okay? I'll be, I'll get it for you in a minute. See, <laughs> this and, is called and live radio broadcasting. And, and this is what's great about you is a lot of these stiffs that we work around. They don't have kids. You've got a full-on family. You want to talk about doing two jobs, and you're great at both of them. <laughs> Most people can't do one job. You're doing two jobs. Well, I don't know if I'm doing the momming one well because they're watching a TV show while I talk to you right now. <laughs> but I'm trying. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I just – yeah, the Dodgers have run away with it. I mean, the Padres – the sad thing is the Padres have been so bad this season – Yet they're at 66 and 75, and the Giants are just at 70 and 70. So, oddly enough, they're creeping up on the Giants, or maybe the Giants are creeping down to them. Maybe that's how we look at it. I do think there's an, an aspect of this with scheduling that comes into play over this last month of baseball. You know, the Giants are about to face the Rockies at home. They've got the Rockies for seven games over their next 10 days. That's huge. So, that's that could be beneficial to them. I just wonder if it's too little too late say you sweep the Rockies in this series then you've got the Guardians and you've got the Rockies but then you have the Diamondbacks the Dodgers the Padres and the Dodgers I don't see those Dodgers series going all too well so I don't know I wonder if that that chunk since July 18th up until now has dug them too big of a hole to climb out of well, it, 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 and it's exactly what baseball wanted to do when it came to expanding the postseason, bringing more cities into, out, into it throughout the entire year. I mean, you look at it right now, Arizona, Miami, Cincinnati, San Francisco, even San Diego still tries to act like they have a chance. But this is why we expanded the playoffs, right? Was that more people would have a chance. It would make all these games in September exciting versus if we were doing it the old way, most of these, most of these teams were done and no one would care at this point. Yeah, I definitely think that's working out. There is an excitement level to say, hey, if we play well over the next two weeks, we actually could get back in this thing. And you say the Cubs crash and burn, which I don't see happening, but <laughs> say something like that happens. And then – all of a sudden the Giants are back in it, or if the Reds end up losing a few games, 
they they really could. They're still very much in the in the race. I think over the next ten days we're gonna see well, really two weeks we'll see how, how in it they are. If they can't go out and beat the Rockies, then they're gonna have bigger issues. The only one of the thing that's things that's been really interesting to me about this Giants team this season if you watch the pre- and post-game shows, I talk about it a lot because it's very fascinating to me. And maybe you've seen a team do this. But the Giants, for the majority of this season, when they play above 500 teams, so good teams, they had a really good record. And then when they pay, played below 500 teams, they were terrible. And now that's starting to even out a little bit. I can't, I can't make that make sense in my head. Yeah, you're rising up to your competition and then you're lowering yourself to the to lesser teams because that usually is the opposite, right? Usually you crush the bad teams and you play 500 baseball against the good teams. You're right on that one. That is very odd. It's very strange. So that that's kind of confusing me. Now, over the past month, that started to even back out when the Giants haven't been able to score runs. But that's been a theme this season that I thought was – Honestly, at the, in the middle of the season when they were so hot and they were playing so well against above 500 teams, it's, it told me, well, maybe they've got it. If they're playing well against really good teams, maybe this team can outlast. But they haven't been able to since July 18th. And I think also this bullpen situation that we've been talking about all season, and I'm not sure how familiar all of your listeners are with what the Giants have been doing, but for the majority of the season they've had – two starting pitchers and have been rotating <laughs> bullpen games throughout the rest of their, their other three spots in the rotation. And George Contos, one of our analysts on the show and a former reliever for the giants was preaching back in June about this could come back to bite this team. And the pitching has significantly, I think the offense is getting most of the attention just because the numbers are so abysmal with how the giants aren't able to score. But the pitching has taken a big downturn. Now, they have added rookie Kyle Harrison to the rotation, so now they've got three spots taken up, and it's just two bullpen games. But when you overwork a bullpen like that, I think we're starting to see the results of of what happens. Yeah, George is spot on, and it's something that we address all the time here, even when we were good or now that we're bad. You start talking about innings. You need innings, and when you don't get innings from starters – it might be cute and get away with the opener, and really one team has been able to do it consistently throughout the years. They mastered it, and they've had a way to do it. It's been the race, but when it, when anybody else yeah. has leaned on it, it has failed. You mentioned Harrison, this young lefty. Talk about him. From what I've seen, looks has ele- looks like has electric stuff. Yeah, he's that's probably the one player this season outside of Patrick Bailey, just coming up and dominating at the major league level, which was expected defensively, but what he was able to do offensively has really surprised a lot of Giants fans. And I think even the, even in talks with Farhan or Pete Patella, they've been obviously pleasantly surprised with what Patrick Bailey has done. But Kyle Harrison has been talked about for so long and has been one of Major League Baseball's top prospects. He's the top left-handed pitching prospect. So there, when you have all that hype around you, sure, there's going to be excitement when you make your MLB debut. He's been 
he's been really good. He had a rough last start, but outside of that, I think he's been really impressive. You're going to have, just like any veteran pitcher would have, good starts and bad starts. Of course, a, a rookie will too. But he has been – he just the way he commands himself, and I know this is kind of a behind-the-scenes tidbit on Kyle Harrison, but he can really handle talking with media. The, the situation doesn't feel too big for him. And I know that's kind of an outside-of-the-game thing, but I think that translates to the game for him because those moments aren't too big. It doesn't matter what team he's facing. I think he's confident in his stuff, and we've seen it play out well so far. I think this is going to be his fourth start. So he's. I'm excited to see what he does tonight against the Rockies. And, again, it's the Rockies, but I think it'll be – Anytime you can get a rookie with games under their belt, that's the most beneficial thing for those players is just experience against major league hitters. Because there's no, I, I, I always talk to our analysts about this. What's the difference? What's the biggest difference between AAA and the majors? And they really just say there's no comparison. Everybody is top tiered player when you get to the major league level. And so you have to adjust to that. And we've seen, some of the Giants rookies with Schmidt had a, had a rough stretch, went back down to AAA, came back up, and has seemed to have figured it out. And, um, we saw Patrick Bailey go through a little bit of a rough stretch too, and that's going to happen. But Kyle Harrison is one to watch. And if you're going to watch, I would watch tonight to see Kyle Harrison on the mound because he'll open this series for the Giants against the Rockies at Oracle Park tonight. Um, and, and he's, he's going to be around for a while, so I would tune in tonight to watch him. Yeah, the Patrick. How ba- do you feel about the whole bullpen situation with the Giants, and and even with the Rays? Do you think, do you see that as a problem for Major League Baseball with fans, or you know, not knowing who's going to start that day, or there's kind of a variety of ways you can look at it. But what do you think about it? I think it's a major problem. We've talked a lot about it on this show. That the guy that handles the ball, you take whatever sport you want to talk about, that guy is a star. Or you want him to be a star. And football, it's a quarterback. And basketball, it's a point guard. Uh, All these years in baseball, it's the pitching matchups. It's the pitchers. That's what we sell. That's what we preview. I'm looking at the notes right now. We're going to preview these pitchers. And all of a sudden, when now we have a bunch of nameless, faceless, same-looking guys that are constantly coming out of the bullpen, and this guy's giving me, he's the opener, and he gives me one or two. And then here comes the next guy, and he gives me two or three. And I always call it a law firm game, right? When all of a sudden you got five or six pitchers (laughs) in the game, it's like, hey, if you have an accident, go see this law firm. I'm like, that doesn't sell. That's not good for our game. And I know the Rockies did it. Not the Rockies. The Rays did it at a necessity. But when we started seeing everybody, remember, it became kind of a, a chic thing and it went away. Like, well, the Giants have kind of brought it back. And you see, when you're not able to get consistent innings from your best pitchers and you're ham and egging it with the opener, it may work for a while, and then all the people come out and they go, oh, look how good they're doing. But it will fall apart, and then all of a sudden you start looking around and you don't have pitchers to give you innings. Well, we play every single day, and you got to get 27 outs, you got to play nine innings, and you don't have enough human beings to get them. All of a sudden you're in big-time trouble, and that's what's happened to the Giants. Yeah, and I also think it almost makes it more difficult on the manager because if you have an opener – and then you're going with a bullpen game and say you're, you're going to throw six pitchers out there. 
you're you're telling your pitchers they can't struggle at all. No, because one guy screws no up for error. One guy screws up, it messes the whole thing up. Right. So there's no room for error. So then, I just imagine myself as a pitcher on the mound. You know, say you're you're facing a tough at bat. Maybe it's an eight pitch at bat, nine pitch at bat. Well, then you're all of a sudden thinking, all right, I'm about to get yanked from this game. Well, then that adds another aspect, the, the mental aspect of being a pitcher, which is already, you know, so much pressure. There's just no room for error. because, you, And then you have so many players, you would think, okay, you know, seven pitchers, maybe that's great because they're all going to come in fresh and hot. Well, they haven't faced this lineup. This is the first time they're seeing, you know, X batter. When, when you have a starting pitcher, you can kind of get into a rhythm of the game. And there's just no – it feels very jerky when you've got these bullpen games where you can't settle into a, a rhythm of the game. And maybe that's short-sighted, but that's how it feels. You're from Alabama, correct? Yeah, you got it. All right. And a proud graduate of UAB, correct? That's right. Yeah, I cheered at UAB when I uh, went to school there. All right. You either like the University of Alabama or you don't like the University of Alabama. So when Texas is going to Alabama this weekend, who are you rooting for? That's actually really good insight because most people hear, oh, you're from Alabama, roll tide. No. What people don't know is that the University of Alabama, Paul Bear Bryant Jr., took away UAB's football program a few years ago. And I was obviously very tied to the football program because I was a cheerleader and I was not happy with the University of Alabama. So I typically am not a big fan, but I will say about 70% of my friends went to the University of Alabama and to avoid hearing the whining, I do like to see Alabama win because (laughs) I don't want to hear about it. The arrogance of Alabama graduates, it's, it's, it's insufferable. Oh, I mean, if there's a bad quarter, they're like, the season's over. We're done. I'm like, you beat the team 52 to 7. And they're like, but you know, in the third. I, I, you know, I'm an underdog guy, so I've always rooted for Auburn. I, I let the Iron Bowl give me, give me Bo Jackson and Auburn all day long. I do love it. And I worked with Takeo Spikes when I was covering yeah. the Niners, and he's an Auburn graduate. And, so I don't I don't have a true allegiance outside of UAB. Now I'm a big UAB fan, but outside of that, it's like uh, I don't really mind. My husband went to Mississippi State, so he loves to see Alabama get crushed. No, no doubt. Yeah. That. Oh, you got SEC running through the house. Oh yeah, we've got a cowbell. I should bring it on next time. <laughs> Please that would do. Do really well on the radio. Oh, I love. Well, right. we're we're on video right now. We just can't see you. I know I've got to I I got to jump off uh, I mean jump on next time on video because I didn't have time today's been crazy with momming and working. Well, I, I tell you, you you are terrific at what you do, and I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're very busy, but uh, I I already told everybody I've had questions. I go to you because. I'm filling in for Brody, so I can't go to Brody. You've been my go-to with helping me out on stuff, and I've truly appreciated that. I love your work, and uh, I can't wait to see you later on today. Yeah, I'll see you soon, and it's been great having you in, and I really appreciate all that. And thank you so much for having me on. We need to do this again. Take care. All right. Laura Brett, who will be doing Giants pre- and post-game live. By the way, 
after reaching a season-high 13 games over 500 after play on July 18th. Remember, I did a lot of games here. I was doing A's pre- and post-game live. Bunch of stuff was going on with Brody. So I did a bunch of games, and they were just these Giants people were like, they're strutting around. And, oh, yeah, we got our mojo back. And I was like, oh, it's not going to last. <laughs> the Giants have lost 29 of their last 45. Only the White Sox, the Rockies, have been worse since July 19th. Only the White Sox who have quit, the Rockies stink. Rockies have been like us. It was just, it was a matter. Well, we're not in there. It was just a matter of time before we were going to catch the Rockies and the Royals. It was just a matter. Slow down, everybody. By the way, how many wins do I need? Seven. We need like a countdown. Rip it off, seven, to get me out of those steak dinners in Modesto. I the steak dinner is not the problem. It's the fact that we got to go to Modesto. What's just we? I, was, I don't know how I was involved. I thought in this. you were going. I, I don't have a rivalry with Bitter. That's bitter fine. Bill. That's fine. Well, I need you to go so he doesn't. <laughs> we make sure I get back. There has to be a witness. I just can't go to Modesto by myself. Uh, I have kids. Yeah. I'm never been to Modesto. Here it's great. Yeah, beautiful this time of year. We can go see a nut. Oh, season be over. So we can go see a nuts game. <laughs> season be over. I've been to Modesto one time. To call minor league baseball? It was to call San Jose Giants against the Modesto A's. Do you know who was playing for the Modesto A's? Miguel Tejada. Miguel Tejada. They, he had like 20-something home runs. He was the talk of the Cal League because he was a, wait for it, a 20-year-old shortstop. <laughs> Remember that? Remember you top prospect people? Oh, the A's got a 20-year-old prospect shortstop. Yeah, how old was he really? Not 20. Yeah, one twenty. And if you say he's 23, 24, he's not that. As, obviously, Miguel Tejada had a great career, great guy. Love him. Had him on the program. But, yeah, back then he was a phenom at 20 years old when he really wasn't 20 years old. Well, the one but back to the Giants stinking. The Giants have been outscored 41-14 to 14 over their six-game losing streak. Um, since the start of July 19th, the Giants are worst in Major League Baseball in every offensive category. Runs per game, average, on base, and slugging. <laughs> it's not good, and I told you, since the Bay Bridge series concluded in Oakland, so the start of that series the to best. now, they're 9-21 since the it's A's start, the swept best. them, and so they've been they've been bad. How about that Rocky run differential? Minus 210. The, I mean, this is like, this is a, bad, this is a battle of ugly. Rock, this, tonight in San Francisco is a battle of ugly. Rockies, there is Rocky news. They just extended uh, Herman Marquez, who's just had Tommy John surgery. They just extended him for two more years, so he won't be back until next year, sometime in May or June. Yeah. So We heard that on Sirius XM. I went, huh. We are driving up. I went, oh, so you're going to extend a Tommy John guy. Smart move. Um, getting back to the A's, even though I could read this whole thing about the Giants, I mean, I, this, it's, just, it, it's, it's funny. I can't help it. It's funny. She is the one per, and I will give her credit because remember George Contos, World Series champion, former Giant. He is the first guy we ever brought on video. Correct. He's a since we took this thing video. He's the first o- OG. Guy. He's the original OG. George Contos the whole time has been out there going, "This isn't going to last. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work." And the other bozos are like, "What are we talking about? 
We well, talk because remember they had a run where they were like ten and two with the opener or something like that. So I think since then it's like two and ten. Contos was going. It's not going to last. Not going to last, and it is not last. Uh, for the A's, do we do we have Stu coming on three thirty? He's supposed to. Yeah, we can talk to Stu about this. It's time to bury the Rangers, right? This is this is like you're going into playoff atmosphere. You've been in that in Seattle. You just dealt with it with Toronto. You're dealing with teams that are jockeying for staying in the playoff race or getting better in the playoff race. You've got a chance to bury somebody. Texas is struggling. They stink in every aspect of the game. How about that? You trade for Scherzer. You're going to give an extra year guaranteed. I'm tired. I'm tired. He's fatigued. I mean... He was pulling that in New York, and now he's pulling it again. How do you feel? We got, what, 22 games left? Your hired gun that you win is talking about being fatigued? Hey, man, I need you to get outs. No matter how you feel, I need you to get outs. I mean, I can't imagine if I was a Ranger, if I was doing Rangers pre and post right now and doing Rangers cast live, whatever we'd call it, (laughs) um, I'd be flipping out. We're paying you $43 million next year. We're picking up uh, – the Mets are paying a lot of the money this year, right? Yes. Are they paying a lot of money next year, too? I think they're paying a majority of his salary. Oh, that was the that was Verlander. So they probably are paying his salary. I don't think – I think – no, the Rangers had to pick that up. They had to, like, guarantee it for the deal to go down. The Rangers are paying a lot of money for him. I don't think they really care right now. Just get, they just want to get in. Well, but How are we going to get in if our guy. big gun can't go? What do you mean? Their big gun was Jordan Montgomery to the deadline. He's been great. Their big gun can't go. How do you feel about that? We traded for you, and you're talking about fatigue. Well, actually, both Once are. again, we're always talking about how guys can't play. Well, always talking about how guys oh, he's tired. Oh, we're worried about him getting hurt. Oh, we're worried about – we're always talking, well, prospects aren't ready. We're always trying to figure out how to get people not on the field versus how do we get them on. The other guy that they brought in from the Mets, the Grom. They can't get him on the field either. Coming up next, a guy that he took the baseball. He didn't have a problem taking the baseball. He loved it, wanted it, needed it. You 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 thought you'd get Stu off the field? He was a Ranger too, right? Dodger, Ranger. Philly. Philly. Blue Jay. He's a good pull on the back of the grid, just like Johnny Gomes. He was a Blue Jay. Where else did he pitch? Where was his last go-around? Look up Stu real quick. Where where where's Stu's last go around? Because I remember he said like his last game he knew he was done. He's like I'm done. Uh, Stu, I'm done. Stu finished in Oakland. It was Oakland, Toronto, Philly, Texas, L.A. Yeah. I'm always gonna remember him as a Philly. Philly great. Dave Stewart joins us next. What year was he in Philly? Um, he was in Philly. In 1985 and 86. 1985. I think for me, the A's playing spoiler is a big deal from a learning experience. What is Dave Stewart, former A's pitcher, A's Hall of Famer, former GM? We'll have Stu put his GM hat on. How big is playing spoiler? We'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. 
This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Streaming from the A's Road Studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, we're just going to go down the line here. He's an athletics Hall of Famer. He's now in the California Hall of Fame. What other Hall of Fames are you in? Uh, I think five. You're in five? I think. Three-time World Series champion. A World Series MVP, two-time ALCS MVP, Roberto Clemente Award winner, led the American League in wins, and his number 34 is retired with the Oakland Athletics and was a pitching coach when the Padres went to the World Series, GM of the Diamondbacks, assistant GM with the Toronto Blue Jays, and an agent. There's nothing you haven't done in this game except be an owner. And a manager. Well, that you. <laughs> I haven't how, managed yet. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I, I'm doing well. Looking forward to our show we'll have later on today, but we wanted to bring you on and just uh, kick some things around, um, kind of putting your old GM hat on. How are you liking seeing the young A's being promoted and watching the kids play? You know, they're self-promoting, which I, I really like that. Um, I'm not too sure. And I really haven't watched what the team is doing to promote these kids. But, you know, in their post-game interviews um, when they've won baseball games. And, I mean, you know who's, who who right now are the names. We we know that Geloff is a name that, that's come up and he's done a great job. And, you know, we've talked about Lawrence Butler. Ruiz has been here all year. Um, you know, those are the names that are floating around now. Langoliers is still considered a young player. I believe that this year he's not had – a great offensive year, but he's done a great job behind the plate, catch and throw, throwing out runners. Um, then you look at your starting rotation. Um, J.P. Sears is the only guy that's been in the rotation from the start to the finish. And so when when you talk about promotion, there's a lot of self-promotion from the young players, and I, I adore that and I admire it um, because what you're letting the fans know is that yeah, we're having a tough year this year. We got kicked around. We've gotten beaten down. We've been clubbed over the head. But we're waiting for next year. Well, and it's been a lot of fun to, you know, watch these kids that we have talked about. Actually, you know, I, I mean, you can't really say they've blossomed yet. But to watch Geloff get American League Player of the Month, to see what we've heard and you know saw a little bit of spring training with Lawrence Butler you you start to see some hope right you start to see some future you do um you know and and um 
You know, Miller pitched a couple of innings off of a few nights ago coming off the I.L. and um, showed promising stuff. Uh, you know, he had uh, he clocked out. I think he topped out at 102. Yeah. And, um, you know, you got to like the slider. Um, and so it's good to see him healthy. Um, and and back on the mound, and so that kind of gives you an idea of who your 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 lead guy is going to be. You know, Waldacheck has shown signs, and I'm talking about pitching because I don't care what anybody says. If you can't pitch, you're not going to win games. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, and so <laughs> you know, we, when you look at this team, it's great to look at the 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 great position players that that are doing great things out there. But um, other than JP Sears, we we put Blackburn in another category. Um, there's not a lot of promise in the starting rotation. Miller got hurt. We, we, we're yet to see how he's going to be. We have every reason to, to think that he's going to be a great starter, great in that rotation. And Waldacheck has been inconsistent all year long. Um, walks have been a menace to him. Um, Medina, the same. He's had inconsistency. He shows signs of doing some great things. You love him. I love him personally. But you just want to see more from that starting rotation, and and you know you gotta you're gonna to have to piece together your bullpen as well. I mean, you can go out and score runs, but if you can't stop the other side from scoring runs, it's gonna be another tough year next year. You have said for a while now that you really like J.P. Sears. What does it mean to you that he is finishing the season? He is gonna give you thirty or more starts. Well, he had a tough April. I mean, I'm sorry, he did. April was a tough year, tough month for him. I think a six ERA in April, and in August was a tough month for him yeah, with 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 an eight. But uh, the bottom line is, he's not shied away from making a start every fourth, well, every fifth or sixth day. Um, he, he shows up, and I think that that's important for your teammates to know that you can count on them, that he's going to be in the rotation. He he, right now he's he's showing that he's durable, um, and only pitching 104 innings in the minor leagues and then having to take the workload that he's taken on this year. I mean, he could finish this year with 170, 175 innings uh, by the year, by year's end after only pitching 104 innings in the minor leagues. And so uh, I I just think that um, him performing in the way that he has, doing the things that he has, showing the improvement throughout the year, pitching the innings, there were there were things that he needed to do early in the year, and, and we talked about it, Tony. He needed to incorporate the changeup, and he's done that. Um, I think his breaking ball for me has gone backwards. It's more of the sweeper versus the slider, and I think the slider is more conducive to him getting right-handed hitters out. I mean, so um, and that may be because of the fatigue and the long season that he's lost that downward mode and that shape of the the, the good slider. Um, and we'll see what happens come spring training. But um, I, I think having him in the rotation, making the amount of starts that he has, competing the way he has all year long, I think that's important for his teammates uh, to see, but even more important for the management for management, management to see because when you go to spring training, you have to know who you can count on. Yeah, and building a bullpen year after year just seems so hard to do. It's just so fickle, like – Certain guys are good one year, the next year they're not the same. You just it's it's you realize as a front office guy, you're kind of rolling a die, roll, rolling the dice, thinking that we're gonna we're gonna come out of spring training with these guys, 
Hopefully they do well. If not, we could be switching in and out a lot of guys. You know, even a period of time when uh, we didn't count that much on the bullpen, you know, I had a, a chance to work with uh, Kevin Towers. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin believed in building his bullpen. He he believed in it. That was That's what he concentrated on in the offseason. You know, my starting rotation in 98 was a good starting rotation. We had guys that threw 220, 230 innings. Not just one or two guys. We had four guys that did it, our, our four starting pitchers. Our fifth guy was a guy that we dropped when we had off days. But past that starting rotation, when we looked at our bullpen and the guys and how he put together that bullpen, we were very good. And, and it's no, it's no, it's it's not a surprise that we were able to beat um, the teams in the, in the National League and eventually play the Yankees in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, you're pitching. I mean, Sterling Hitchcock was the MVP against the Braves in the yeah. NLCS. I mean, you guys had – I mean, your staff was was fantastic. Now, when we look at the division, you're close to people on both the Rangers and the Houston Astros, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like we know how close you are to Dusty Baker, and you have a lot of connections inside the Astros. Reggie Jackson's over there now. And then on the Texas Rangers, you know, you, you know as you just mentioned – your Padres, Bruce Bochy was the manager, yeah. so you know Bochy Roy, you know Chris Young. I mean, you yeah. know so many. What, what, you're watching one team go like this and the other team go like this. What do you make of the West? You know, I think it's going to – the great thing is that a lot of these teams, the, the Rangers, Astros, and Seattle, will have an opportunity to – make their fate, I guess is the best way to put it, because they're going to play each other. Yeah, your fate's going, in your own hands. Yeah, yeah, they're going down the stretch. They're going to be able to to to, to pick where they're going to end up. Um, I think that Boach and um, Dusty are two of the best managers in baseball. Um, I believe that, um, and they've proven that. Um, you know, they're not, they're not guys that have that not been around the block. They've been around the block a couple of times, and I think if you put the other guy – on the other side, and they're not a good matchup, they're going to run circles around that guy on the other side. And so, you know, Boach right now is going through a tough period. Uh, Texas has gotten beat, and they got beat uh, three games against Houston um, this past series. And um, so, you know, they're going to pick it up. Um, and I talked with Boach, Evalde, um, his last time out didn't throw the ball very well, but he's coming off of a rehab stint. Uh, I think they were very shocked at the performance from Scherzer the other day against the um, against the Astros. He didn't get out of the fourth inning, gave up a I think it was a seven spot. And so, I mean, those guys are going to be the guys that are going to carry Texas Rangers wherever they're going to go. Those two guys are the guys that are going to carry them. But let's not underestimate the rest of their starting rotation. The rest of their starting rotation has been good. Otherwise, they wouldn't be close to 80 wins in, in this in this season. So you know what you're going to get from them. And I think with the, with the Astros, you know, there's just – there's metal there. They've been through the battles. They've – you know, they've shown up. Uh, they've been in World Series. They have that experience. And so they know what to do. And they're not healthy yet. Um, so when they get totally healthy, um, you can expect great things from them. Seattle is young. Those kids – or what do they say, ignorance is bliss. They're going out and they're just playing great baseball. They're being carried by a young center fielder who is multi-talented and can do many, many things. 
but by him leading the way, he's got the rest of that rest of that um, offensive lineup uh, following him and following his lead. And their 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 pitching is pretty doggone good. Yeah. It's under it's underestimated how good their their starting and their bullpen is. You know, I think about the A's being up in Seattle in front of those pack crowds. Recently, just played the Toronto Blue Jays, who are fighting to get in this thing. And then now you're going to try and play spoiler in division again. Now in Texas, then in Houston. How good is this for the young players to be in these type of environments where crowds are going to be packed, these teams are playing for something, you're playing against star players, some of the best players in the game. What does this mean for the A's young players? I mean, if they embrace it, and that's what you first have to do, you have to embrace it. You have to embrace it as a group. This is not going to work if if you've got the four guys that we talked about. If you if you've got only if you got Geloff, you got Butler, you've got Langoliers, and if you only got those three guys or Ruiz, those are the only guys that are playing for you. Then it's going to be tough. I think it's important that you've got a guy like Seth Brown in that lineup um, because it, the numbers don't speak for his importance in that lineup, in my opinion, and what he does for that team. I love Seth Brown. I'm a big fan of his. Um, and then, you know, Rooker, he's had a good year. It's not a 270 year. It's a 249, 250 year, but he's got damage. He's hit home runs. He's driven in RBIs. He's an all-star, you know, so it's important for those guys to understand the moment that they're in and embrace it. And if they can do that, they're going to play well against these guys. They understand that they're going nowhere, but they also understand that they're playing for something. They're playing for their future. They're playing to be spoilers. They're playing, in my opinion, to to advertise what this team is going to be. Now, your starting pitchers, you know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do their part. They've got to do their part. And they've got to pitch the best games. That it's crazy. I was having a conversation with uh, with a young pitcher actually in the Tampa organization, um, and I told him that you know it's you're in the rotation at this time of year, and that means something because that team is playing for a playoff spot. And if you're in the rotation, that means that they're confident that you can get the job done. And so it's important that you use these opportunities to practice what you're going to be and what you're going to do when you're in the playoffs because the guy you're facing in the playoffs is equal to you. He's better than you. You never know. But in those moments, you have to minimize mistakes. You have to pitch championship ball. Defense plays defense. You minimize mistakes. You don't walk people. You force them to do what you want them to do. Well, the A's aren't playing for a playoff spot but you are playing spoiler. And when you play spoiler, you play championship baseball against these teams. Every inning, every pitch, every at-bat are championship at-bats, pitches, innings. Yeah, because you're looking over at these teams, right? You just had Toronto in town, or we talked about Seattle, or earlier this year when they're in San Francisco or in L.A., even Colorado they're playing in front of like 40,000 people. I mean – there's a learning experience when you say for these young players to look over and now you're going to see some of the best players in the game. Yep. I mean, and you are, you're seeing some of the best players in the game and there's lessons to be learned. And I hope that these guys, I mean, we had, I think in our, in our, our eighties teams and going into the nineties, we had some of the best teams in baseball, but our guys were on the bench 
watching the other team take batting practice because we want to see if we can get an edge and how we can get an edge and what are they doing watching their batting practices and watching how they run the bases and watching what they do in the outfield and just what their habits were because there are things to be learned in watching those things happen. Now, this is a young team, and there's a lot to be learned if you can get out early and see what these Texas Rangers are doing. You know, it's you know doing so many different shows with you and talking so much baseball with you off camera and off the air, away from the mics. Uh, you know, the right situation, coaching, players, if it's done right, it's life-changing because your time with the Dodgers was a long time ago. Yep. But yet, you still reference it all the time because it meant something you you in your life. It's like I think about what like the Dodgers used to do. They called it the Oriole way. There's something about when an organization is doing something right, it will stick with somebody for the rest of their lives. That's kind of what I I want to see the A's start building because I, I you bring it up all the time. You bring Dodger stuff up. I mean, it means so much to you in your life what you learned. Well, when you put when you put your stamp on a player, when you teach a player fundamentally how to play the game um, when you teach a player mentally how to play the game and then the physical parts aren't are the important pieces in in all of this um, the Dodgers we learned how to fundamentally play the game but when you fundamentally know how to play the game you mentally think the game but you don't think it in the moment you think it before the moment happens and those are the things that I carried from being a Dodger um, you know I put a lot of uniforms on but my core was Dodger. And you can never, and I'm not embarrassed to say that, and I'm not ashamed of that, because the player that I became, the pitcher I became, was because of the lessons that I learned in the organization and from the players that wore that uniform. And there were some great players that wore that uniform. No doubt about it. And hopefully you're going to be doing the same thing in Nashville Talk to us about our Nashville Stars. How are our, how are our Nashville Stars doing? Man, we're still moving. Uh, we're moving. We're doing positive things at this point. Um, my focus has been on um, putting together our um, our what I call our key investors, our lead investors, and, and um, that process is going along well. Um, I'm going to sit down with, uh, with our commissioner uh, mid-month this month and have some discussions with him and Dan Halem in New York and, and compare notes and see what he's thinking, if there's anything additional that I need to be doing that I'm not doing. I'm going to just give him an update on our progress and where we are at this point. You know, Nashville, I'm going in there on the 15th, and um, on the 18th, going to meet with some developers and start talking about the ballpark, ballpark layout, and the areas around the ballpark and what we're going to do in those areas. Um, and then, you know, the rest of it is is, is just really – hurry up and wait the winter meetings are coming so you know doing some planning on the winter meetings um, when major league baseball is there hopefully you know we can get the commissioner into our offices and spend some time talking with him even more intimately about our plans we know that he's already put together a uh, expansion committee that's going to start looking at expansion cities um, at the end of the year and you know a lot of been a lot has been been said about nashville and most believe that Nashville is, is definitely the number one spot for expansion. We believe that, too. Uh, but until they say it, we won't know it. And when they say it, um, the next step is to be prepared to move and 
move into place as the group that represents Nashville. Is it tough to have patience? It is. Uh, I want to play baseball right now in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, we've been parent, preparing in Nashville over the last four or five years for baseball in Nashville. You know, and shoot, Tony, you know, man, I, I watch baseball every day. Whether I'm here or not, I watch baseball every day. And I watch the the ins and outs of baseball. We were just talking about the uh, about, uh, pitcher in, uh, in Washington. We were just talking about him. Um, Strasburg. Strasburg. Um, and, and, you know, his retirement and what you would do in those situations. And, you know, I look at contracts. I mean, we've talked about Otani and what, what, what does that mean? You know, what kind of contract will he garner going forward? You know, and now he's hurt and we know he's going to need another Tommy John surgery. So how do you look at that? And so I practice every day when I'm in that role, having to make those decisions or having to make those decisions with my director of baseball operations or, my general manager, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And so, um, you know, I'm always in a rush to get to that day. $600 million, $500 million, 300 lots change. <laughs> a hurt Otani, that's a big difference in a, maybe a couple hundred million. Well, you, you, you know, I mean, I've, I've fortunately or unfortunately, I've coached players that have had two Tommy Johns. I have been a general manager of a player that's had two Tommy Johns. And I can tell you this with uh, with uh, Hudson, um, he's with the Dodgers, and I'm I'm failing his first name, Daniel yeah. Hudson. Yes, uh, with Daniel Hudson, we had Hud we had Huddy in 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 Arizona, and he had a second uh, Tommy John. Um, Neil Alatros was the surgeon. We brought Neil in. We got together with our medical team, and we had to best figure how we could keep him on the mound, pitching for a season, keeping him healthy. And we felt that you can't load him up. You Bulk pitches are difficult to do. You go out and you throw five or six innings and you get to 85, 100 pitches. We felt that over 30 games that might be more damaging than having Daniel come in as a reliever where we can monitor the amount of pitches he throws, when he throws, we felt that that was the best path. Now, Huddy, he, he fought us and wanted to continue to be a starter, but I think he'll look back on, on what we did to help him continue his career as something that was a successful move for him because he left us, signed a huge deal with another team, and since then, has signed another huge deal with with the Dodgers. And so, um, Otani, as a starter, um, obviously, you would want to see him do that. But the question that I ask you is, if he has that second Tommy John, which we think is inevitable, how does he become? How does he stay a two way player? It's funny you ask that because we've addressed that here on Ace Cast mm -hmm. Live, and we've said it for years. And even before he had his second Tommy John, we have said, I want him as a reliever. I want him as a high-leverage reliever. And then we saw him do it in the World Baseball Classic. And everybody tries to have these scenarios. Well, what happened? Is he hitting? I can have him DH. I can have him go warm up. Once we get used to as, you know, from I I've done the relieving and starting – 
Uh, I got to a point where I'm eight pitches, ten pitches, I'm ready to go. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take you that. Uh, to me, keeping him healthy, a two-way player long-term, that's where I think Otani goes. So you think he's a setup guy or you think he's a closer? However you want to call him. You want to make him a closer, high-leverage guy, I'm bringing him in somewhere ninth, seventh, eighth, in big-time situations. So you think that uh, the impact of – well, it worked for Daniel Hudson. We pitched him in 55 games uh, the year after his second second TJ, and he was very, very – Going every five days is over. Yeah. And, uh, well, we felt that throwing every five days would, would be – would end his career. And um, so we kept Huddy in a role that we, we could keep him in. Hopefully, and I don't know who's doing his surgery. I hope it's Neil Elatros. He's one of the best in the business. Yeah. I mean, if Neil is doing it, um, I, I think that he would probably vote for him to pitch out of the bullpen where you can control his outing, control his ups, yes. and, and, um, yeah. and pitch him that way. Let's end on this, and I saw this on Twitter last night. I believe it's the – Five black aces for the Negro League Museum is putting you into another Hall of Fame? I'm already in. You're already um, in? Yeah, the guys that are being inducted are not in. And what we were hoping to do, um, and I shouldn't say we, but I guess I am a part of that, but Bob Kendrick is such a close friend and we do have conversation is, it was Bob Kendrick's hope that this time we could put the remainder of the living black aces in. And so... The the aces that won't be there this time are CC Sabathia and uh, David Price. I mean the rest are there: Al Downing, Mike Norris, uh, Dontrell Willis. Um, I said Al Downing. Yeah, Dontrell Willis, and um, God, I'm drawing a blank. I saw Dwight Gooden was on and there. Doc Gooding, yeah. Doc is going to be there, and there's one more that's supposed to go in, but it's not me. I'm already in. You're already in. Yeah. People forget, like, when I, you know, we have some kids, and they're like, well, I really don't know. I'm like, Dwight Gooden was the man. If anybody was in watching baseball in his time, oh. man, you saw The velocity and that curveball. I mean, it was kind of like in that time in the 80s. I mean, Nolan had been doing it for years, yeah. and then he came up, and they even squared off in the playoffs, but – you wanted velocity in the big 12-6 curve, curveball. Uh, Dwight Gooden was a star yeah, in you, New York, right? You saw a beast. Mike Norris. Did I say Mike Norris? Yeah, Mike Norris, yeah. Yeah, you you would have seen a beast uh, if you had an opportunity to see the Doc pitch. The Doc was the dude. And I mean unbelievable, man. Absolutely unbelievable. Dominant in that time. The Mets would not have had the opportunities that they did in that time to show up, maybe make the playoffs if it hadn't been for Doc. They had a good staff. By the way, Vita's picture's on there too, but he's already in, right? No, Vita is not in. How's Vita Blue not in? He's not in. Vita was not in. Vita, and that's actually why I'm going, because uh, I'm going to accept his award um, for Vita. Yep, that's... Got the pen, I got the pen going today. I see you. I see you. The great Vita Blue. He was, you know, Vita, the one thing will let you go. But, Vita, you know, I actually started when I first got in my career at KMBR. Vita was doing stuff with the Giants. And literally, I knew Vita for like 30 years. Yep. And Vita was the nicest guy. And then over the years, you really get to know him. And I did some TV with him here. And I did radio with him. I mean, Vita was really the most just. 
that whole thing about being a kid and, and from the country and he that never left him. He was just the nicest guy to everybody. And then for a lot of the young people he was around, they didn't realize his greatness. Of course, I knew his greatness. Uh, you know, when you win MVP, Cy Young, and three World Series, I mean, Vita Blue, with the lack of, of numbers being put up today by starters, you could say he warrants a plaque in Cooperstown for what he did in his career. But uh, I'm so glad they're honoring Vita Blue. Sad he won't be here for it, but truly one of the greats. No doubt about it. Um you you won't meet a more genuine person with his with his with his plateau i guess is the best way to put it he um he did a lot for the game of baseball um the the numbers that he put up the strikeouts the 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 wins the just the performances um you know it would be you would think he'd walk in the room with with the biggest head in the room. Oh, he could easily big league yeah. everybody <laughs> for all for all that he did. You would think that he would yeah. be that guy, but far from it. Um, I think if if you if you if you make a person, you say this is the person I'm. This is the person that I'm molding. This is the person that I'm making. Vita would be the person you would want to make because he was kind to everyone. Had nothing but kindness to say to anyone and everyone. He made you feel comfortable. Um, matter of fact, he made you feel like he knew you, you know, for a long time. Um, and um, and he was just a, a tremendous human being. I First time I went to the Negro League Museum, I was with the Raiders. We're in Kansas City. I'm like, I got to go. And it's right next to the Jazz Museum. It's like $15. You get both of them. It's amazing. And you walk through the very beginning. It's like a timeline. And then all of a sudden, I heard these two voices narrating the story. And I'm like, I know these voices. And I realized, that's Vita Blue and Marty Lurie. And I remember <laughs> texting them both going, I'm in the Negro League Museum right now and, li- and watching this thing, and your voice is on here. It's like, yeah, I mean, Vita, you know, for what he means to the history of baseball. All right, we got, uh, we got a little A's Rangers coming up here in a little bit. Looking forward to it, actually. I really am. You know, I'm. This is a better brand of baseball at this time of the year for the A's. And um, truth is, I'm excited to watch them play baseball at this point. Um, last year, earlier in the year, you know, you you can pick and choose games, but um, I think with this group of kids um, that are taking the field on a day-to-day basis, I look forward to watching them play baseball. The great Dave Stewart later on today, NBC Sports California doing A's pre and post game live. Coming up next, it's the manager show. Mark Kotze will join us right here, A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You could check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Our Kotze show right here on A's Cast Live and A's Cast, of course, brought to you by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. 
Check out their location in the Bay Area or you go online to nestbedding.com for your mattress, your pillows, your sheets, whatever you need to go to sleep and have a great night's sleep. You go to nestbedding.com. Mark Kotze, how are you? Doing well. We had a uh, off day yesterday. Um, you know, it was kind of nice to see all the guys, uh, you know, out hanging together uh, at the pool. And uh, we've got a lot of wives and girlfriends that made this trip, I think 15 in total, um, you know, which is great. And, uh, you know, we're back at it today here in Texas. Shout out to the great Mickey Morbido because it's a great hotel when you take on the uh, Texas Rangers. It's the old home of the Byron Nelson. So you got not only do you have an incredible workout room and you got the pool, you got the championship golf course. It's a, it, it's a good day to have a day off. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's funny, uh, Lawrence Butler, uh, who's back with us from his bereavement leave, um, was walking around the pool and and just kind of I could tell he was in kind of amazement of, of the of the grounds and yeah. uh, which is great. You know, young kid, uh, first time, you know, traveling uh, in the big leagues and and really impressed with uh, like you talked about with with the hotel and the amenities that uh that we were, were blessed to be able to, to use on an off day. Normally it's in late and, you know, you don't really get to enjoy the hotel as much as you'd like uh, because it's preparation for games, uh, you know, and you're in and out. But uh, yesterday was a nice day. So Lawrence Butler strutting around the pool flexing, huh? <laughs> yeah, Zach Geloff was flexing around the pool yesterday. As I left, he, he gave me the, the gun show. Uh, you know, pose, which I, which I thought was priceless. And, uh, but you know what, Townie, it's great to see this young group, you know, all collectively hanging out together, spending time together. You know, we talk about culture a lot and, uh, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, You know, seeing them uh, just, you know, spending some time on an off day, enjoying each other. I know we live in a world of data. And that's all we care about is data and numbers. And that's how we treat these human beings. But the reality is there is something to when people enjoy each other. There is something when people work well together. It doesn't matter if it's baseball, football, basketball, business, life. I mean, people who get along seem to today show do better in offices together. Your group, though, you know, it's just not we're talking about a young group coming up. These guys... These guys have played together. They have bonds together. Just talk about this young group, how it's more than just, hey, let's bring up some young guys. These actually, these young guys care about each other, like each other. It's a really good mix. Yeah, it really is. You talk, you know, in terms of the business, uh, you know, vantage point, I guess, EQ and IQ, right? And so the EQ is something that's just not measurable. And uh, what happened yesterday uh, what's continually taking place post game in our locker room with guys hanging out, talking the game, you know, stuff that that you know builds championship uh, environments, and and it really, you know, for Gela, for Butler, for Allen, um, you know, for Soderstrom, and um, you know these guys that that have kind of come through the minor leagues together um, to start bonding like that at the big league level and bringing others, uh, you know, into that circle um, really shows, you know, their uh, maturity one and uh, and that they like each other uh, which is which is also equally as important right i've noticed just by watching keeping score because when you keep score you write everything down it kind of helps you remember stuff and all of a sudden i've noticed a lot of double plays 
I always circle really good plays. I've just noticed infield defense has gotten better. Let's talk about the players, but also let's talk about the coach, Eric Martins, and what he has done and the work that he puts in with these guys, tireless work day after day after day. And your infield coach, of course, he's the third base coach. That's a whole different deal where it's not always a lot of love for the third base coach when he gets thrown guys thrown out. But that there hasn't been a lot of that this year. But just talk about Eric Barnes, what he's done with your infield. I love you defending Emar, but I know there's some fan base out there that's going to say, "Hey, Townie, you're wrong on the outs at home." But um, you know, one of the signs I hate that whenever he did, like you could send, let's say, a hundred guys and make a hundred, and, and one guy gets thrown out at home, and he's like, "Oh, this guy doesn't know yeah. what he's doing." I know firsthand because I had three guys thrown out in the three consecutive decisions that I made. We're all, in my opinion, correct. But when you get a guy thrown out at third base, um, and I vividly remember it, it was, uh, you know, in 21, um, J.D. Martinez was playing left field. He, you know, shallow liner, but to his glove side, going to the gap, he catches it. I think he threw Murph out, and it was a bang-bang play. It was like the second guy, Kiki Hernandez, line. remember that play in the center? And he goes, leaves his feet, throws a missile right on the dart. It was like one after the other. And so, but Emar, I, 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 you know, um, let's go back to folks on Emar. Well, the job he's done with the infield, which is really what you'd start talking about. And, you know, it's been relentless. Like you said, it's every day. There's ladder work, there's footwork, there's glove work, there's ground balls. Um, it's, it's sometimes individual one-on-one, which he's done a lot with Jordan Diaz at third base, um, you know, and, and to see the progress that these young players have made, in the time frame, um, you know, really says a lot about about what Emar has done, um, what he's brought to this group, and uh, and the continuation of just you know a, a, a belief, a confidence built in these guys that, that they're going to get better, that they are getting better, and and the results have, like you said, they have shown up, um, you know, in all facets with Jordan, with Nick, um, you know, with Zach, um, you know, so and it's 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 a really good sign. Looking at on the mound, look at last game. When you see Mason Miller out there and healthy, what do you think about? You try not to think, really. You just, you know, focus on, on uh, you know, the fact that, that he's back, that, that he's, you know, um, got an opportunity to finish healthy, finish the season. Um, but those two innings were, were pretty electric um, on Wednesday. Uh, the pitch that he made to Springer, at 102.3 or 0.4, it was two seamer backdoor painted on the edge. Like it's just an unhittable pitch, really. And uh, if we can continue to keep him healthy, and if this is the you know the way we use him to to allow him to be healthy, um, you know I'm fine with that. And uh, and we're going to do that uh, at least through the end of the season and, and assess kind of how we go forward with him next year. Yeah, I, I like how you put it because in the post game show, everybody's calling up, going, "Oh my God, this is like this gives us great hope and everything." And I go, "I love it, but I can't count on it because right. I I always go back to my NFL days here, uh, Cots, with uh, the best of avail- the best ability is availability. I got to figure out, you guys got to figure out, everybody's got to figure out what is best for him to keep him healthy so he has a career because. Just going out there trying to be a starter, letting it rip, and the elbow can't take it. I, you know, I, I like how you put it. Like we don't know. It's it's hard to know exactly what we know. He's special. We just don't know what he can do and how he can stay healthy long term. 
Yeah, and I think that's the key is is you know you you, you get these high level of expectations and and then you you get the disappointment on the back end because of the injury and um, you know the, the the ability for us to manage him in a way that you talked about the workload the stress level on the elbow um, and just giving him sufficient amount of rest but yet utilizing him in ways to to impact games and to help us win games and you know I think it was a prime example of. You know, J.P. Sears going five innings, kind of laboring, going to go through it, you know, had three or four walks in, in that start. And you could see, you know, a team getting more confidence against him. And, and you bring Mason in for six and seven, and it was lights out, shut out. And you got Danny and, and Trev, and, and the game's over. And, uh, you know, if he can be utilized in that facet, um, you know, two, three times a week, maybe that's the role that keeps him healthy the longest and has the most reward for him and for the Oakland A's. You know, good to see Danny Jimenez starting to look like Danny Jimenez again. That that was actually really good. I I know relationships mean a lot to you. Uh, obviously, we know about your relationship with Phil Nevin. You're both Cal State Fullerton guys, which we won't hold against you. Um, Terry Francona means a lot to you. Uh, Jim Leland, your former managers. But talk about Bruce Bochy. Obviously, he's hurting right now, and the Rangers are hurting. This is a great opportunity for you guys to play spoilers, but just talk about your relationship with Boach and what he's meant to you throughout your career. Yeah. You know, um, when Boach retired or left the giants, um, and we'll say retired, uh, you know, Boach and I talked a lot about that position and he actually helped, you know, myself go through that interview process, um, with, with the giants as a special assistant there at the time. And, um, you know, he's a mentor. He's somebody I, I look for advice. Um, you know, he's a hall of fame manager and, and when this is all said and done, um, you know, it will be great to, to, to just see that happen for him. Um, he's going through a tough time. He's this club's challenged right now. Uh, they were leading the division for a long time portion of this season and now they find themselves looking up at at Houston and Seattle but there's still there's still time left and if anybody can can do this uh you know I, I I've got full confidence in Boach but um I'm not gonna take it easy on Boach we're not we're not coming in here uh with that I'm mindset we're coming in that mindset to uh to, to show this club uh, across the dugout that we're gonna we're gonna compete um and that we're gonna we're gonna give them everything we have so how important is it for your young guys right now to look at this spoiler situation and to play in these highly competitive games, to play in front of these crowds and to try and knock out, you know, try and knock out Texas, try and knock out Houston, try and knock out Seattle. What you just did with Toronto, taking a game with Toronto. How important is, is it for these guys to see what these baseball games are like? Because even though you're out of it, you're still playing a big part. And who wins the division and who goes to the postseason? Yeah, no, it's great. It's great for these young guys to experience these environments. Tonight's going to be great. These next three days, these next six days, really, um, you know, here here in Texas and in Houston. Um, but, that, yeah, it, it, it shows – it's going to show them where they stack up. And it's going to show them, you know, where they where they want to be and where they where we're going to be uh, in our future. And I think it's great that, that um, you know, they're getting exposed to this now and – um, you know, we're getting a kind of a good assessment of, uh, of teams that are in the postseason or that are competing for the postseason, um, which will help us in the offseason um, and, and help us in spring training for sure.
How's that tan looking? You probably haven't been in the sand that much to be rolling out by the pool, right? <laughs> I took it easy. Only only about an hour last yesterday in the sun. So, yeah, we're all good. But, um, no, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting, you know, uh, six days here against these two teams. Um, like you said, we could have impact on both their seasons, and uh, it'll be it's going to be a fun environment. We were scouting last night in San Jose for you, Henry Bolte. When, it's one thing when you go to a minor league game and you watch stuff, but when you watch a guy at San Jose Municipal Stadium where there's been thousands upon thousands of guys play and you watch him go oppo jack with a wood bat at his age, Henry Bolte out of Palo Alto High, a second-round pick for the A's, I was like, wow. I mean, that's a great endorsement right there. Um, yeah, he's done some special things. He's really come a long way from last season to this season, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, minor league, like, you know, players of, of, our, of the year in our organization. And and he's a name that you can put right up there um, with the likes of, of a Lawrence Butler and a Max Muncy, who's in double A, who's having a really solid double A season, got off to a slow start in, in high A, but was moved up and, and just has really accelerated uh, his progress. So, and then Zach Geloff obviously has to be mentioned in that as well from, you know, the season he's having. So uh, there's names in this organization that, that we're excited about and that, uh, you know, will hopefully impact our future. That's the Mark Kotze show brought to you by Nest Betting. Look at their location in the Bay Area. Visit it or go online to nestbetting.com for all of your betting needs, your mattress, your pillows, your sheets, whatever you need. You get a better night's sleep when you go to nestbetting.com. And that was Townie with A's manager Mark Kotze. That's going to do it for A's Cast Live today. We want to thank Mark Kotze, Dave Stewart, the Hall of Famer Eric Nadell, and Laura Britt from NBC Sports, Bay Area Giants pre- and post-game live. Coming up next is Jessica Kleinschmidt standing by for A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. And Chris and I will join Jess for A's for the A's Clubhouse show after the A's and Rangers coming up at 5.05. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to Ace Cast Live, and we'll talk to everyone on Monday at 2 o'clock right here on Ace Cast Live. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.